Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. It's Jen Taylor Rerouting, and I'm here today with Angela Wagner. You can find Angela at AngelaWagnerCoaching.com, and we'll have that, of course, in the show notes. But Angela also has a podcast, just like I do. So to find me, go to JenTaylor.com net and you'll find anything you ever didn't want to know about me and more and to find Angela it's AngelaWagnerCoaching.com Angela welcome hi thanks for having me welcome it's so exciting because we don't know each other and so every time I have somebody on that I know I think oh, it's gonna go so great because I know them but then the people that I have on that I don't know are so much fun because I get to learn so much so I am super excited about this. You are a coach. I've been on your website and it's pretty awesome. And I've listened to bits and pieces of a bunch of podcasts so I could try to get a feel. And so check out her podcast now that you, she's on my podcast. So Angela, you do coaching. Tell me how the coaching started because I don't want to go into what you do quite yet. I want you to tell me about the coaching first. Okay. Well, it kind of relates to what I do. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, well, I figured. Let's just, just tell me about it and we'll go from there. Okay. Sounds good. So I started teaching yoga years ago. I guess I won't get real specific about that, but the style of yoga that I teach is very, well, it's very physical, but it's also very mental. And so a lot of the, well, I would go to trainings and I would just have these like life-changing moments. And I really, really like was able to do some personal work that changed the course of my life in a positive way. And I wanted to share that with other people beyond just in yoga class, because there's only so much you can do in yoga class. Still, people still obviously are working out and they're getting in their bodies and you have to teach them alignment and all that stuff. So I started to create, well, I went to a coaching training. One of my um, yoga colleagues started a a coaching program called Yoga Life Coaching, which was really based on all the work we had done with our teacher and other works of coaching. And so I went to that in 2010 and started creating some programs within this yoga studio that was that were coaching programs. So it's just kind of been my side passion and I've integrated it into yoga. And then this last year, I decided to take it online because I really wanted to be able to share it with more people than just yoga people in Dallas. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So now I get how it all worked out. So you became a yoga teacher when and how? What was, how was that a passion? Yeah. So in college, I was always really interested in fitness and my mom and I would go to step classes when I'd come home and <laughs> we were the fitness divas. And it was, I always looked at the instructors and was like, I want to be, you know, a step teacher one day. And so that's really how it started. And then I started teaching and getting, I got my personal training certification uh, right after college. And so I was doing that on the side at night after my job, I was working in um, advertising and marketing and I just loved it. I loved it. I was teaching spin and um, what, what, what was it at the time? I'm trying to think. It wasn't high-low step and all kinds of things, boot camps. And um, my coordinator at the time said, I really need a yoga teacher. And I was like, well, I've been going to classes, but I'm like crazy stressed out chick, like high energy. Like I could never teach yoga. <laughs> I'm Italian. I mean, my maiden name is Barisi. Like that's not a fit. And um, 
she was like, no, no, go to this weekend training. I think you'd be great at it. So I went to the weekend training and I loved it. And I thought I could probably teach this in the gym. And so I started to add that in. And then um, I just ended up falling in love with it. I think I liked the connection more than I got from the fitness classes. And so I just kind of took it from there. From someone who's taken all of the classes and who's, I am super extroverted and, you know, I don't know if it, I'm pretty laid back actually. So I wouldn't say high strung, but high energy. Yeah. I would have thought the same thing as you did. Like I, yoga would not be for me because, and I love it. So Is that I, such, do you do like a power yoga style? No, I haven't done the power yoga. I've done the hot. I've done a whole bunch of, well, I, I don't know. After I had kids, I did like a Pilates class and it was like a yoga Pilates thing together, but it was a little, it was more like burning fat type stuff. It was, mm -hmm. but it's really fun. Um, you're right about the connection with the teacher and even the other people, although not in hot yoga. I don't want to connect with anybody in hot yoga. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that is a really interesting way you got into it. So you're doing marketing and advertising and doing this on the side. When did you, how did you make that shift? Yeah, it's so funny. I get asked this question a lot. It was so long ago because it was, let's say I graduated college in 1999. So I opened the studio in 2004. Um, so it's kind of all in between there that it happened. I don't exactly know. <laughs> I mean, I know that. I loved marketing and advertising and I actually really enjoyed parts of my job and I ended up moving to Dallas for a boy who I'm still friends with, but um, <laughs> you know how that is in your early 20s. Um, and I didn't love the company I was with. It was very, like the, the boss was just very, hmm, how do I say this? He was... I don't even want to get into it, but it just wasn't an environment that was healthy for me. And so, but I loved the people besides him. So I loved like learning, you know, the graphics and the printing and the, just the way that the advertising agency ran was very fascinating to me. And it was a small company of maybe 12 people. So I learned a ton. I got to really use that side of my brain that I loved. I loved branding. I loved just learning about all that stuff. But then when I would go teach my spin class or my yoga class is when I would really like feel good about life. And I felt like I was really helping people where my job in Dallas at the time was restaurants and high fashion. And it was really just a lot of stuff that I didn't connect with. I mean, if you didn't have a $200 Gucci belt, then who were you? And I mean, I've never been into that kind of stuff. So I just really, I really struggled. But I'm so grateful for that because when I ended up opening the studio, I had all these skills about, you know, do, doing the business side of things. So anyway, I got laid off from that job. We lost the account, uh, the restaurant account that I was working on. I couldn't find another marketing job. So I said, okay, I'm just going to go full on fitness. And I taught at eight different gyms around DFW. Yeah. I, <laughs> I actually found my fitness bag in the attic the other day, which was completely destroyed because it used to, I mean, this is back when like cassettes, like I had to bring like tons of like CDs and cassettes around for all my music. I was just so funny how things have changed, but um, it was exhausting. I loved it, but I wasn't making enough money. So I did that for about a year and a half. And then my dad said, why don't you let's like, what could you do with this and your other skills? And I said, well, I'd love to own a studio, but, um, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so let's go back to something because you've mentioned your mom and working out with your mom. And now you just mentioned your dad. So where did you grow up and how did you grow up? Were there siblings issues growing up? Anything? Fill me so, in. A yeah, sure. I grew up in a suburb of Chicago. That's where my parents are born and raised. I have a sibling, Tony, who's about two and a half years older than me. 
Um, and then we moved to a suburb of Boston when I was 12, seventh grade. So kind of lived up there. And then I went south for school because I was like, I don't like the cold. I'm not a cold. I don't, I can't handle it. So um, yeah, my mom is always into fitness. She ended up working for Weight Watchers for about 12 years and being a leader and helping people lose weight. Because when she had quit smoking, she gained a ton of weight. Um, I say a ton, not a ton, but enough. Um, and my dad never really loved his job. And so he, he really, the, one of the things my parents always instilled in us from a young age is do what you love and the rest will fall into place. And so I think because he was kind of in a job that made him good money, but he wasn't passionate about it, that's all he wanted for us and still wants for us. So my brother conducts operas and <laughs> I own a yoga studio. We're definitely not your typical kids. <laughs> That's awesome though. So when you're, when you kind of were working and struggling and loving it, but not, and he said, how can we make this happen? That's, yeah. he didn't want you to fall in the same trap that he fell into. Yeah, it, exactly. And I, I mean, I'm so grateful because nobody would have ever given me a loan. So he basically gave me the loan and said, here, fly. And he really never, I don't want to say didn't get involved, but he really didn't get involved and not in a way of like, he wouldn't if I asked him, but he really trusted me to do it. So that was kind of cool. Um, very cool. And, you know, I look back at that time and it would have been so easy for me to kind of go along a path of getting, you know, high intense marketing job. And I mean, I'm very like high strung and anxious and not, I'm not, I'm not anxious now that I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I've always been like you like you said high energy and go 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 go. So I always just think like if I had been in that position, I I think I'd be suffering a lot right now, honestly. Between the job and just naturally your personality, that combination Absolutely. of those, yeah. But the good thing is that you were able to take your background and your degree and all of that knowledge and use it towards your own business. So how helpful was that? That was really helpful in the in the two jobs I. <laughs> had were incredibly helpful because they were both for companies where there were, you kind of got your hands dirty and you got to do a lot of different things. Um, yeah. And that was one of the things I missed when I was in the gym full time for a year and a half was I, my favorite part was connecting with people because that's just what I love. I love to share. I love to connect. I love to learn about people, but I also miss like that other side of my brain, like the numbers and the branding and the creation. And so I knew like this, the gym and personal training and teaching classes was, couldn't be all that I would do. I just, I couldn't sustain that. Plus I, I had to borrow money from my parents just to pay my rent. <laughs> yeah. Which gets, and then that gets stressful financially. Even if you absolutely loved every aspect of it, that you still do need to make a certain amount of money and you don't want it to become something you don't love anymore. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that can happen. And it does happen in our industry quite a lot when people go to full-time teaching, whether it's yoga or fitness, because they take something that they love, like a passion. And then like I was running around like a crazy person and you're making, you know, anywhere from $20 to $40 and maybe 50 if you're lucky per class, which when you add up all the time of transport, you know, transportation and then your gas and just energetically. I mean, I would just go home in between a nap and just be exhausted. You know? Right. So you started up the yoga and how did that go? What do you mean? Well, when you started it up, what, what were the struggles with that? How oh, was the process? Hmm? The studio. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I was 26. Like I look back and I'm like, I had no business doing that. <laughs> um, 
it's really pretty cool to look back and see that. And I'm glad that I was so young because I felt like I, it's like I didn't know what I didn't know. Now, as I'm turning 40 this year, it's like there's a different level of, I don't want to say fear, but sometimes fear in failure and kind of knowing some of the challenges that come up. I remember people saying, like one of my mentors from the Y said, don't open a studio. Oh my gosh. Cause at the time it was like when yoga started to become more popular and people were opening studios versus it just being, you know, something that was new at the gym. And so she was like, the market's already so saturated in Dallas and everyone I know is failing and just don't do it. And I remember several years ago, her writing me and saying like, I'm so impressed because <laughs> there's not many that have been around for 13 years now, certainly not like mom and pop shops. Some, I mean, some of the bigger ones, but um, yeah, but the struggles, I mean, were just not knowing what the hell I was doing, quite honestly, you know, and I think I focused on the wrong things. Like, um, sometimes I would get really caught up in like the aesthetics of the website or the posters or this or that, because that's the world I lived in. And it's like, no, really, I just needed to be getting my butt out there and getting people in the door. You know? Sometimes I think not knowing is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Totally. Because you don't know to be that afraid or hesitant or what you don't know that you're making mistakes. You're just going out there and doing it as it comes. So I kind of applaud that in you, the guts to do it. And then also just not knowing ignorance is bliss sometimes. I agree. So now you moved to Dallas. You're still in Dallas, clearly. I am. So you liked the move to Dallas and you moved there for a boy, you said so. Well, so I didn't actually like the move to Dallas. So <laughs> isn't that funny? Because I, I was living in Austin, which for people that know Austin, it's like the coolest town in the world. And it is so much more my speed and style. And it's it's not image conscious in that way. And there's a lot of young people. So being young and not even being just young, like now I would love to live there, but it's beautiful aesthetically. There's just hills and there's so much stuff to do outside. Dallas is very flat. And at the time there was just not a lot of culture and arts and things like that. It's changed a ton since I've lived here. But um, yeah, so the, the guy that I moved up here for, we ended up breaking up, which was a very amicable breakup, but I didn't love, I really never liked Dallas. I got really depressed and I was going to, you know, a therapist and I started, I was on medication and I, I just felt really lonely. And I felt, um, especially when we broke up, cause I was like, Oh my God, I'm in a city I don't like. And this is just, isn't my jam. So my parents kept saying, come home, come home. And I'm like, but this is, that's not really my home. Like I don't, you know, I went to high school there. So I just felt like I didn't really have a place to be, but for some reason I stayed here and then I got a condo and I kind of built a life and set down some roots, met a guy, which turned out to be a disaster, but, um, learned a lot from that relationship. And he helped me start the studio and he, um, he was a big support system for me. And so, you know, looking back, it's, I hate to regret anything in life because I really feel like I've learned from every person and every situation and, you know, take what I can learn and move forward. So. So you did start dating him. I want to touch on this a little bit because you've mentioned it to me. Um, and you started that with him and it was good. And you guys were planning to get married, correct? Yeah. So we were together for about two and a half years and he moved in with me in my condo. And then we, we had our wedding planned and 
it was like maybe three months before the wedding and it was in Chicago, everything, my parents had like prepaid for everything. It was crazy. And, uh, this was back in 2006. So it's kind of interesting now to tell the story because for so many years I was just like, I couldn't even function when I told the story. And now it feels like someone else's life almost. But, um, yeah, he just came home one day and said, I can't do this. And I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, uh, we were just at Target getting things for the table cards and you're playing, you know, like he was, he had gotten an apartment in Addison, which is about 20 minutes north of us. And he had fully furnished it and just moved out. So that was a really tough time because it was year two of the studio. Financially, I, and I'm very like, I, I, especially like as a woman, I'm like, I don't need money from a guy. Like I want to prove myself. And so I was very hesitant to ever take any money from him or let him pay for stuff. But it got to a point where I was so exhausted with the business and everything. He was like, you have to let me help or this is going to ruin our relationship. So I'd gotten to a point where I got more comfortable with that. And then he took off and I was like, oh crap, what am I going to do now? <laughs> um, Plus my heart just hurt so much. And he was at the, he worked from home. He owned his own business. And so he was at the studio every day. He was checking in all the clients. Everyone knew him. So, I mean, I had to send like an email out to my newsletter, you know, <laughs> saying, Hey, you know, here's what happened. And please don't mention it because the studio was like my safe place. And now every, I didn't want everyone every time they came in asking me about the wedding or where's, where's Steve or whatever. So that was a pretty low point in my life. And I almost closed the studio. I came so close to just saying, forget this. You know, I looked at what my friends were making and I thought, there's no reason for me to be suffering this way. I'm just done. You know, and this is a sign. <laughs> um, and my dad just begged me. He said, just don't. You are so close. You are so close to making this successful. I really, he, and so what he said was drain the bank account, whatever money you have left, use, do everything that you would ever want to do. He said, make a list of everything that you want to do because I want you to try everything. And then if you feel like you've done everything and you still want to give it up, then fine. I think I kind of want him as my, <laughs> is he adopting? Oh my gosh. That's pretty outstanding because I can understand where you were at emotionally. I mean, basically, so like three months before you were planning on getting married, you, you kind of, it's like a getting left at the altar type situation yeah. with a new business and merging your lives. And I, I mean, I can't even imagine how that would feel, especially after you mentioned that you had been, um, you know, by yourself and doing this all and not loving Dallas and kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't great before. And so now you've gotten it at least to this point to have it all kind of the rug pulled out from under you. How awesome of your dad. I know. I mean, I really like, I can't, my parents have been my 100% support and in every way, like in a very real way and, you know, encouraging me to do I think, I think he just saw like, this is going to be a good thing for you. And I mean, I was to the point where I literally would sleep, I would be on the couch all day. And then my only job I told myself every day was to get my butt to the studio, teach my classes and go home. And like, I got to be best friends with the lady at Jamba Juice because when I'm really, really upset, I can't eat. And so I would just go to Jamba Juice and get a smoothie every day. That's all I ate. And it was kind of neat because several years later, I was at, I mean, this restaurant up north by where I live right now with my husband, 
and we were married. We didn't have kids at the time. And I walked in and there was the, wo- the woman from Java Juice working at this place. And she remembered me and I remembered her. And she was like, oh my gosh. And she saw John, my husband now. And she's, I'm so happy for you. And it was just this like really neat moment in life of being like, our paths crossed again. And it just shows you, that's why I love connection and people because she made such an impact on me and helped me through that, just in my daily drama juice journey. And, and I obviously made an impact on her. So it's just kind of cool. I love that. So, okay. So business starts in 2010. You kind of got left at the altar. That sort of sucked. Um, what did you, you, so your dad said, drain the bank account and try everything. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You can move on, but at least do like pull out all the stuff. And you did. And so what happened with that? So it's kind of interesting. So this was like, I guess it was like 2006, 2007. So it was right before the three-year mark of the studio. And I wanted to make like, I mean, this, granted, like now this sounds so silly, but I wanted to make this professional video. Well, at the time you had to hire a professional videographer to do that type of thing. And it was like, I remember paid like three grand for it. I mean, it's so funny. Now you're like, you would just do it on your phone. <laughs> but you know, the, it just was, so, the technology was so different then. So I did that and I rallied all my students to come in and, and record that. And we just we rebranded the studio. So a friend of mine was a graphic designer and she gave me a really good rate and her husband coded. So they redid my website and I really wanted everything to be top notch. Cause that's, you know, that was my passion besides yoga, obviously, but I really wanted it to look professional and fun and really have the, the branding fit what I wanted. Um, and so, and I remember at that videotaping, I got up in front of everyone before we started and I told them what happened. And I said, some of you remember this and some of you are just here now, but I just want you to know that when you pay your membership fee and every time you come in here, you're supporting a small, like, a, I don't, you, I don't think you guys realize what that is. That exchange of money and energy and time means so much to me personally. And it was awesome like to just be really raw with them and I sort you know I was crying and I just said like I really want this to work and I was about to close and here's where I am now and if you can just rally around the studio if you love this place please help me tell people come you know do all those things and it that's exactly what happened and it was kind of crazy I remember someone later telling me I was about to quit my membership because I never came and I kept it for like almost three more years just because I wanted to support you (laughs) Um, I hope she came to some classes he came to a few I mean and he he had money he was a lawyer and stuff but like you know it's just neat he so I don't know I guess it was just this awesome lesson because for me, asking for help and support was never something I was good at, but it showed me how that can change your life and being vulnerable and open. And I think, you know, I talked about that a lot in my yoga classes, but I was still pretty young and hadn't been through, I mean, I had a great childhood and I don't have any like sad stories from that. And so this was kind of the first like real kick in (laughs) the tail that I had in life. And so I think it you know, I was brought down to my knees in a way that I needed to be, which is why, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say like I needed to be, but I just think that for me and for everyone, if we can experience the total opposite of what we want, then when we have what we want, we appreciate it. at such a different level. And I just learned so much. And I also learned a lot about what I did wrong in that relationship. So I went to therapy and, you know, it was so easy for me to play the victim role because everyone 
you know, my group loved me. And so obviously everyone was like, screw him. But then I started to do a lot of personal work around, okay, well, there had to have been red flags and this, this couldn't have been a total surprise. Like, let's be real here. So I got to really investigate and I spent a good year and a half, at least maybe longer on myself, really figuring out who do I want to be, you know, as a, as a woman, as a partner, as a business owner. And that's some of the hardest work I've ever done. But I can tell you today, it's the reason I'm as confident as I am. It's the reason I'm the wife that I am. And it's certainly the reason that I'm the mom that I am. And it's not that I'm perfect by any means. But I just think, gosh, if I hadn't gone through that, I'd be a totally different person. Which is amazing. So you have kids and a husband that you've mentioned. So tell me about meeting him. You're going through this journey with the uh, yoga sport. So how did you meet him? How did that all happen? Tell me the story. <laughs> it's not that sexy. So it was in, <laughs> oh gosh, he, he gets so mad when I can't remember date. So I guess I met him, I think it was late 2008. So was, yeah, about two and a half years after this whole thing. And we met on eHarmony, which at the time, now it's like, you know, everybody meets online. But at the time it was so like, it was not taboo, but anytime I'd say we met on eHarmony, people would be like, oh, that's okay. Like, like, don't be embarrassed. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> it was really weird, but um, we were kind of proud of it. So it, he teaches golf. And at the time he was actually playing professionally on a local tour in Dallas. And I was running my yoga studio and I had a rule to not date any clients because I had dated one of my yoga students from the gym. And then obviously we broke up and then he stopped coming. And so I kind of learned early on, like not a great place to do that. And um, so I just felt like I didn't have an outlet to meet people. So we met online and we hit it off pretty instantly. So. All right. So now you guys got married. We did. And uh, you're one of the early eHarmony successes. That's right. So for those of you out there online dating, it can happen. There's hope. There, <laughs> otherwise, you would have taken the last decent man available online. <laughs> and we don't want to believe that. So No way. <laughs> um, you get married and the business is open like five years at this point and doing better. The rebranding. Yes. Um, and then um, you, did you guys decide you wanted to have kids or did you just want to wing it? How did that conversation sort of come up about starting a family? Well, I think we both knew from the get-go. That's one of the things I love about online dating is like that kind of stuff, the big deal breakers are set out there from the get-go, which I think is actually good because it's like if someone doesn't want to have kids and I want to have kids, like let's not waste our time. It's just like why get into this whole emotional connection and then, you know, to have to give on that one is, I don't think, you know, not something I would have been willing to do. So we knew already that we wanted to have kids. Um, I was, I think, 31 when we got married. So of course, everyone starts to talk about your eggs and you're getting old and blah, blah. But we really wanted to spend a couple of years together. We wanted to buy a house. We wanted to enjoy each other. We got engaged after 10 months and then married I don't even remember a year and a year. So we'd only known each other maybe a year and a half when we got married. So we weren't, we didn't want to have kids right away. So we waited and then, and then it, we couldn't get pregnant. So that was kind of challenging. Right. Now I've been through this myself, so I understand the challenge. So you started infertility. 
I did. And looking back, it's funny. I always tell people like, if something doesn't feel right with your doctor, change doctors. Because I was, I don't even know, I'm trying to remember the math on it. I want to say I wasn't quite 35 yet, which is when advanced maternal age, which is when you're old, I guess. Um, and we had tried for maybe a year, maybe not even actually tried for a year. Maybe it was only six months. And she was like, she was even a couple years younger than I was. And so, and she didn't have any kids. Not that that matters, but she was kind of going off textbook, yeah. what she had learned in medical school saying like, okay, well, the stats are this and blah, blah, blah. And you need to get going and blah, blah. So she sent, she suggested fertility. And now my OB was like, oh my God, I never would have sent you that early. But um, so we kind of dove in and we did you know, medication and we did IUIs rounds and then we did IVF and none of it worked. So it sucked. <laughs> yep. I did, I did everything up to IVF. And at that point, I, you know, there's all these like day surgeries. You go, I'm people, if you haven't gone through it, you don't understand like the medication makes you feel crazy. Um, and your sex life becomes regimented. So it's not even fun anymore. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's time. It's every other day. I took my basal temperature. You know, I mean, yeah, emotionally draining because you feel broken, yeah. and like everything woman about you that's supposed to work doesn't. And they do all these little day surgeries to test things, like flushing your tubes and taking pieces of the inside of your uterus. And I mean, I remember, and I I went through about seven of those, and I was maxed out on medication. And when they said IVF, I was. I was like, I'm, I'm done right now. I don't have the capability t to do any more right now. And you, so you took it further and still it didn't work. Yeah. And IVF is, Ooh, I'm telling you, I mean, yeah. I want to scare anybody, but it is, it is brutal. And I, yeah, I remember getting the bag or the box of medications delivered to my door and it was a, you know, one of those big shopping bags full. Yeah. And that was just for one month, one round. I mean, it was crazy. So yeah, I did. And I mean, I, there's a lot of things you have to do, like you have to give yourself shots and stuff at certain times. And I teach yoga and I teach in a heated studio too. So that makes it kind of complicated. But I mean, I was having my teachers give me shots in the back room in between my classes because it'd be like, you have to take your trigger shot at 730. I'm like, all right. Well, one of my teachers was a dentist. So I was like, whenever she was around, I'm like, will you give me my shot? Because you know, you know how to give shots. But it was really pretty crazy. And I'm very open and I share very easily. My husband's always jokes that I'm like the queen of TMI. He's like, I can't believe how much stuff you tell people, but he's not. And I also just didn't feel comfortable sharing this while we were going through it. And so it was a tough time for me and our family. And it was really tough to do my job well, because I was like leading a team of people, my teachers and my staff. And I felt just hopeless, you know, and I didn't feel inspired to even help other people in yoga. But, I mean, I did, but I didn't, you know, it was like, I couldn't really be my total self. So it was a tough year and a half. It really, really was. And then, yeah, I, it didn't work and I just lost it. I was like, I'm done. I was like you, I was like, I, I was like, let's just, and so we started really thinking about what would life be like without kids and we'll just take a break. And then that next month we got pregnant, just freaking and it kills me because everyone's like oh yeah that happens all the time it's because you relax which don't ever say that to a woman you guys because here's the thing one is after fertility doesn't work you are not relaxed you are depressed you are pissed it is so opposite of relaxed it is like 
screw the world. Okay. <laughs> so that's not true. But two, it's also, you don't realize you're telling the woman that it was her fault to some extent. And that's, well, that's what it feels like. That's not what people mean. I mean, I had a woman who has four kids, Jen, tell me, I'm so sorry, you know, you didn't get pregnant with IVF. This is when I wasn't pregnant. And she said, God only gives you what you can handle. And I was oh like, God. I mean, like, I was like, you literally are telling me that God is telling you, you can handle four kids and I can't handle shit. Like, how is that a nice thing to say to someone? And <laughs> she thought she was being like compassionate. People don't, I, I mean, like you said, I don't think a lot of it is, oh my God, I don't <laughs> no. think a lot of it is intentional, but you're like, look, you're broken and God knows it. You just need to figure it out for yourself. I mean, yeah. I remember, <laughs> you know, I remember trying so hard because when you're maxed out on that much medication and literally infertility consumes your, it consumes your life. And when I'm telling you, like, I'm a woman who loves sex, like an 18 year old boy, <laughs> still, I still do every day. It would be fine with me. And it is a chore that you don't like. It's not fun. And yeah. so this, the, the most intimate part of the relationship with the person that you love more than anything in the world is now a chore that you're not even enjoying. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't feel good. It means that you just don't want to have to write it on a calendar anymore. And, and you feel completely broken. Every part of you that's female is not working the way it should. I mean, I remember thinking, am I not as much of a woman as the person that with the four kids next, you know, am I, am I so broken inside that I'm not even as womanly? You, yeah. it is crazy how you feel and how kids. So the fact that you were doing the shots with the, I can't even fathom that at all. So yeah, and people always do say, I got pregnant afterwards. They told me I couldn't and I stopped. And I, on my last round of blood tests, they're like, holy cow, you're pregnant. We don't know how it happened. And, and I thought, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> maybe you guys really don't know how it works. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, and it was a fluke. And I knew at that point, no one would ever touch me again. I would either later get pregnant on my own or I would adopt, but I was never letting another person touch me in an infertility capacity ever again. And so, I mean, it's not because you relax. It's, God, it's so frustrating. I know. I'm like, exactly. And <laughs> like, quite honestly, we weren't, I mean, I, I was in no mood to even have sex. We just, it, it was so crazy too how it happened because we, again, another story of connection, which I just, you got to pay attention to these, you guys, because this is really like, there's a lot of cool stuff in the world going on if, if we're paying attention. But one of the girls that I trained, she was in my first teacher training class, Kali, and so I trained her in 2008. She was getting married in Austin, and I had RSVP'd yes to the wedding, and we were going going to go down for her wedding. And she's just one of those people. She was the first person I hired part-time to help me with the studio, and I just was her teacher and mentor. And I've always had a special place in my heart for her. And I was so excited for her to get married. And then this whole thing happened. So we were supposed to go down to Austin. We were supposed to stay with some friends who had at the time a little boy. And I said to my husband, I can't stay with them. I cannot be around a, a child right now. I can't, I just can't. And I, but I was like, I can't, I just, every part of me was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to this wedding. I don't want to go on this drive. I don't want to, and, but I was like, I have to, because I always say, you know, going to an event like that is not about you. If you don't feel like going, if you care about that person, this, I remember my wedding day, it was the most important day of my life. And if someone just 
you know, it, it meant the world to me that people made an effort to come. And so I thought this is about Kali, not about you. So step out of your, your stuff and show up for her. So I said, we need to get a hotel. And so we, we asked his dad for points because we, I mean, we spent like 17, $18,000 on fertility. We were broke. And so, um, we got a hotel and we, and it was one of those weddings that was like top notch, fun, unbelievable party. We didn't know anybody there except for maybe two people. It was just the best party. So it was like, we hadn't let loose like that in forever. We got super drunk, had sex. And that's when Luke was conceived. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) And I told Kelly that story because, you know, I said like, I, it just shows you when you show up for other people, what can happen. And I know like that sounds crazy and yogic and all out there, but I don't know. I really think there's something to it. I totally agree. I do. I think when you put stuff out there and you take your, you're a little bit more selfless yeah. and that's, you were in a place where it would have been okay for you to not want to do that. It wouldn't have been selfish for you to say, I just can't right now, you know, because yeah. I understand emotionally where you were at. And, and, but I totally agree when you take yourself out of the equation and you do it for other people and how awesome that you guys got to cut loose and stay at a hotel because it was probably exactly what you needed and you were doing it because of your friend. And so, um, and one of the other things you talk about is that support and how key support is when you're going through like that was your serious journey that was tough and um stay focused on hope and positive things so who was your support in all of that how did you do that you mean when i was going through fertility yeah you know mostly my husband i mean we we did share it with family but i will say Man, fertility can will make or break your marriage. <laughs> I mean, it and it. I was so impressed with. Not to say we didn't have tough moments, but I felt that for the most part, we had them together, and that brought us so much closer because we had to really come to the realization that we might just be us. And my husband was so amazing because he said he kept saying to me, "Look, we said when we got married that we were first. This was us, and this was about." this is why we're getting married. We are a team and we're number one. And we still to this day, not that our kids aren't the most important thing, but we are like, we have to take care of us as a team in order for our family to function in a healthy way. And so um, that just meant a lot to me. And anytime I felt like it was my fault, he would just be like, hey, it takes two. This is us. This is us, 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 us. Um, So, I mean, he really was. John was my huge support. it was a little bit tougher for my parents. They just didn't really know how to handle it. I mean, they handled it in the best way they could, but it's like, they were just so sad and they were sad for us. And, you know, it really like, and they hadn't been through anything like that. So, um, and I did reach out to a couple of friends that had been through it. I actually just got a call from a friend of mine who was going through IVF and I, I got a text from her and I knew it was right around the time. And I thought, Oh, this is either the happiest text or not. And it was the not. And so, we talked and she, she said like everything you had said at the time I get now, you know, and it was like what you had said about not feeling, cause I remember saying like, as a woman, I feel like the one thing I'm made to do, I'm not able to do. And she said, I didn't, I sort of got it. She's like, but I totally get it now, you know? And I just, I was like, look, I'm not going to tell you any of the BS people told me. All I'm going to tell you is it freaking sucks right now. 
let yourself cry and take care of yourself. That's, that was my advice to her, you know, like, but I, you have to go through it. You have to feel it. Like, I think it's really can be dangerous for us to tell people to like, not go through the emotions of it because it's just, you're going to stuff it down. It's going to still be there. And it's, it hurts. You're right. I mean, it's like everything you're supposed to, your body's supposed to do. It doesn't do. I remember feeling completely broken and inadequate as a woman. Yeah. And you're not, but no. you have to go through that. And I don't say that because I ended up getting pregnant. I mean, you're not, um, that doesn't define you, but it's hard to realize that. So you did get pregnant. I did. <laughs> and then, um, how hard was it? You touched on this a little bit, but you're in a yoga studio <laughs> where you're supposed, like, I'm there for you to zen me out. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be, I want to take all my uptightness in my life and my problems and my issues and my struggles and leave them at the door. And you need to inspire me to do that. How, how did you do that? Uh, that was honestly the hardest part. And I was, I'm in a class right now. I'm teaching people how to teach yoga. One of my teacher trainers and te teacher trainings rather. And I was sharing that story recently. And I said like, I mean, I don't even exactly know how I did it, except for that sometimes you're in a place to share things with your students and sometimes you're not. And I think what I told them is when you're in that place where you really don't feel like you can share what you're going through and you don't want to bring people down either, right? Um, you just teach really good yoga, which sounds silly, but it's like just be 100% in it. And it, it became therapy for me because it was like, I know how to teach. I mean, at that point, I'd been teaching for years, so I could teach in my sleep. So that was good because I could, I didn't have to think so much about it, but I could really just be with people. You know, I could call the cues. I could, I did a lot more assisting hands-on and stuff and just really was like, I am here for the next 75 minutes to be with these 10 people or these 20 people. And for that amount of time, I didn't have to think, I couldn't think about it, you know? And so I literally was like, I needed to come to the studio or I couldn't pull myself out of my sadness. Cause otherwise at home, I was just, I was just in tears all the time or just depressed, you know? And so honestly, it, and I still say this about the studio, it's like whatever I'm going through in life, um, good, bad, or indifferent, but certainly when things are bad, this is my saving grace. Like, it's like, thank God I have this and thank God I have to show up for other people. Right. And I think sometimes when you're the one in that position, I would guess you just by showing, suiting up and showing up, even though some of it is going through the motions, a lot of it is not. Like you said, you were more hands-on during that time. You know, I think, I think healing and um, being there from people and inspiring them is a two-way street. And so I imagine that just being there just helped you to breathe. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I had to get out of my head. I mean, you know, you can drive yourself insane up there, you know. <laughs> and... uh yeah, it became a place where I could just like physically feel the ground and be in my physical body and with other people's physical bodies and not thinking about this sadness. Right. So you had, you now did you have a son? I had a son. Yep. So Luke, he just turned three last week. Yeah. Yay. This, uh, this was really new. I mean, you guys were together for a while and that, 
people don't realize time frame wise. That's why I was going to ask you because like in my mind, I'm like, he could be seven, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Then. No, I mean little, he's young. And so this is still very new and fresh. So he's three. And then what else has happened? Well, I have a 14 month old Zoe as well. So it was kind of interesting because we went through IVF and then we had, I think three frozens, which, you know, the whole thing is so weird. It's like we have frozen babies. Um, and so we saved them, but I was, I was kind of where you were at. I was like, I'm not doing any of that shit again. <laughs> um, so we weren't even, I wanted to have a second. My husband was, he wasn't against it, but he was like, I'm fine with one. Cause he was, I think just super shocked at how freaking hard it is to be a parent. <laughs> um, but, he, but I really wanted a second. So we just basically decided to go off birth control and not like try. I was like, well, no, let's not track anything. Let's not do any of that stuff. But my doctor was like, so I switched doctors. And it was kind of interesting because when I was going through my first round of everything, one of my students, Tracy, is an OB. And so I would ask her, every time I'd see her, I'd ask her stuff and she would help me through a lot. And I never loved my doctor. And I just kept getting the sign, like I should switch, I should switch. And then I just never did. It was really weird. And so then my doctor moved to California. And again, I was like, there it is. There's the sign. And so I said to Tracy, would it be weird like for me to be your, your patient? And she was like, no. So it was unbelievable. My second pregnancy was actually really hard physically. It was very, very painful, but I had someone in my corner who I felt like was my advocate. And she is the one who said, you know, more than half my patients are over 40. I would have never sent you to fertility that early. So it's just kind of interesting, but I, that's another huge life lesson that I try to share is like, if something doesn't feel right with you, with your body or your doctor, just switch. It doesn't have to, you don't have to have a reason, just go on your intuition. I totally agree. So you didn't end up using the IV. Did you, did you do the IVF? And you no. No, we just, so Tracy said, let's just see if you're ovulating. That was one of the issues I think they had in the beginning, not to get all specific about my cycle, but I wasn't ovulating every month. And so we started just to test that. And as we started to test that, we just got pregnant. I mean, we were pregnant. So the kids are 22 months apart and we were not planning that. <laughs> so we were like, I mean, I literally was shocked. I mean, I, it was like, I felt like I was in one of those commercials, the clear blue commercials, you know, I was like, what? Um, because it, it, it was just such a different scenario the first time with Luke, but, um, yeah. And then, you know, we got the note to re-up our storage fee for our frozen babies. And I was so scared to let them go. Cause I kept thinking something was going to happen in my pregnancy. I was just living from this like crazy space of fear. Um, but we did, we, we actually donated them. And so that felt good that we could, could donate them to science. But, um, yeah, the whole process was just wild. I mean, wild and scary and awful, but you know, it, I now have two beautiful, healthy kiddos and I've been able to help some women go through it. And yeah, there's value in that for sure. And I think it brought my husband and I closer together. And so parenting is um, an interesting journey. So now exhausting. you're, <laughs> yeah, it is definitely exhausting. You know, I have to say in infertility, be careful what you ask for. I know. Because <laughs> you're going to get what you want and then be like, wait, nobody gave me, there was no warning label on this. And I mean, for us too, having kids has been the greatest gift, but the greatest challenge for sure. And our oldest is 25 now. My, my infertility baby turned 25 in April. And so wow. 
it's a blink of an eye and it's over. And just when things get hard and you start to figure them out, it's different anyway. So, you know, but it's, it's the most thankless, most difficult, most outstanding thing you could ever do. So it really is. It is. And I, I feel like not to get like, yeah, too, I don't even know what the word is, but I, I don't know. Right now it's just a really kind of funky, weird time in the world. And so I just feel like one of my really important jobs is to raise these two humans to be good, kind people. Like we need that right now. We, we just need more good, kind people in the world and connecting to each other. So that's just kind of what I try to focus on. And I mean, there's so little now, but you know, my dad said that we've got to replace ourselves and you know, teach your kids all the values that you have. And so, you know, I take that really seriously from that standpoint. I'm not, I mean, and I know this will change, but I'm not so caught up in, I mean, I have friends that are like, you know, going into all these like crazy preschools and kindergartens and their kids are testing to get in there and they want the best of the best. And I'm like, I just want my kids to go to a diverse school where there's people that don't look like them and not everyone's, you know, white blonde kid and they learn how to love and connect and be happy you know <laughs> yeah and actually it's not too young because we're in a very disconnected society i think compared to um you know we're both in our 40s so we used to actually talk now you see everybody desperately trying to connect through their phones standing around a bunch of people that they're not even making eye contact with and so that's a big thing for me on loving coaching and podcasting and all that just like you is that connection to other human beings where and and our social media and the internet has allowed the world to completely open up and yet we're connecting less than we ever have, I think. Totally. Um, with the people that are right next to us. So there are good and bad things, but yeah, it's good. It's good that you're being laid back about that. So now if you're in the Dallas area or you're traveling through, it's yogasportdallas.com. Yeah. And then... Um, Angela can be found on AngelaWagnerCoaching.com and there's also a podcast. What's your, now you started the coaching with your yoga students and now you've opened it up more and clearly there's lots that you can do within the coaching. What's the podcast about? The podcast is called Spark. Yeah, it's called Spark Inspire Your Life. And I always like to think about operating from a place of inspiration versus desperation. And, you know, I've been in those, as I've shared, desperate moments as we all have. So the idea behind the podcast and all my coaching is, um, I mean, I certainly help people that are, that are in a desperate place, but my kind of overarching goal with the podcast and the coaching is to help people elevate their lives right now, right? So like it's, most people I coach have pretty decent lives. Like they, you know, they have everything they need, but there's maybe some motivation missing or they don't wake up just super excited about things or maybe they feel like there's something lacking in their life. And so for me, it's about finding what that is, getting clear on it. Like what are maybe some habits that you've created in your life that aren't working? And then what can we do to help you really live the life you want to live? Because I mean, life is short. We don't know how long we have. And you know, it's such a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because, because it's true. And so I love it. We have um, my co-host, Nicole, who's my manager and one of my best friends. She's just, I call her the happiest person I know. And you know, she's taught me so much over the past you know, almost four years I've worked with her about being such a positive, bright light. Like I'm, I tend to just kind of wake up a little negative. That's, I always joke that it's the Italian in me, (laughs) 
but the coaching work that I've done has really helped me to like make a very conscious decision to flip the switch every day. And I think, I think that's why I'm successful in my yoga and my coaching is because I'm not enlightened. I'm not, when you look at me physically and like you never, you would never be like, oh, that girl clearly owns a yoga studio. Whenever I tell people that they're like, really? I mean, I'm five two and I'm just kind of this like normal girl. Like, like I'm not a vegetarian, you know, like I don't have a lot of those traits. Um, you know, I used to cuss like a sailor. I, I try not to now because I have kids, but, um, and then the coaching too, it's like, I just kind of, I call it like reality based. It's, I, you know, I don't, talk about a bunch of bullshit. So we have like a segment I love called sucky moment of the week. So we always share or our guests share something crappy that happened. And then, but then we always have an inspired action. What do we take away from that? What do we learn? How are we going to move forward from it? So that's the idea. And, you know, we do a lot of, um, I share a lot of the coaching work and a lot of the, the tips that um, have helped me that I do in my programs. So there's a lot of like very tangible things people can take away, but it's anything from, I mean, like last episode, we talked about the five love languages. Like I love reading every self-help book in the world. You know, I'm like a total junkie. My husband laughs at me. He's like, how is that pleasure reading at any time? Every time I look at your nightstand, you have 10 books that are like, he considers them work. And I'm like, this is fun, you know? <laughs> um, and so I'm always reading about, you know, diet and sleep and just anything and everything. And so we just share, I just share all that stuff. Um, and I love it. It's just been such a great outlet for me, you know, to be able to do that. And now I'm trying to reach out people like you and get on other podcasts and then have other people on my podcast and just, again, connect and learn. I love it. And, and that's a lot of the same stuff that I do. You want to uplift and inspire and, and you also want to make it, people feel like they're not alone. Whatever yeah. you're going through, you're not alone. And being raw and vulnerable about your journey with infertility, even if the, uh, another person's journey isn't necessarily infertility, just that raw vulnerability of those feelings helps other people realize that they're not alone in this world, not talking about their stuff and that there are ways to get through it. And that if she could do it, I can do it. Um, and so I love that Angela. Thank you so much. So to find Angela again, it's Angela Wagner coaching.com. You can hit the podcast that way, pretty much everything that way. And to find me and everything you didn't know you wanted to know about me, it's jentaylor.net. You can get the book, the podcast, everything that way. And so again, thank you for sharing your journey. Infertility is a tough one to talk about. So I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Like, share, and of course, comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon. Hello, my name is Warrior Princess. Or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages.